Welcome back, Podcast World. This is Mike, and I have with me Corey and Steven, and we're going to be talking about previously on Lost, episode number 41. We're going to be looking at the episode called Lockdown. So, as we go into the hatch and the blast doors come down, I'm going to ask Corey, how are you doing, man? You know, I'm doing really well. I'm just, you know, living, enjoying 2021. It feels a lot like 2020, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it feels it feels like we're almost like stuck in 2020 right now as we're recording this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember that this will post uh, in a different world, perhaps. In a different. Hey, we may not even be here in 2021. <laughs> this is the last piece uh, of human history uh, for the uh, future generations to study. Oh my! The aliens. <laughs> they're gonna have. They're gonna. Have, they're not gonna have a lot to study on. <laughs> if it's just us. Oh man, no. Uh, well, good. I'm glad you're doing well. And uh, another one who just made it through the door before it came down on his leg. Stephen, how are you? I am doing well. Much better than John Locke. Um, <laughs> yep. But <laughs> in all ways. Oh my, oh my. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, door coming down here just a little bit. I have thoughts about that. Um, but uh, as far as everything else goes for the network, guys, we encourage you to head over to retrosapp.com for all of your other uh, podcasting information that you need and shows. And make sure you join us in Discord. Talk a little bit with us and uh, give us a shout out on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever your podcasts can be found. So let's talk about the episode called Lock. Down, double your double use of the word there, but that's cool. We'll talk about it here in a second. We have been 61 days on the island. Finally, we are in the 60s. It feels like we've been in the 50s um, for months now. Yeah, this whole season. <laughs> this whole season, we're finally out of the 50s and in the 60s. So before we talk about this episode, though, Corey, what happened previously on Lost? All right, previously on Lost. Locke recounts his dealings with his father. Helen confronts him about his obsession. Anthony Cooper mocks Locke's resentment. Helen convinces Locke to move on. Uh, And then, that was an orientation, Uh, Saeed sees Ben, or Henry, in Danielle's trap. Uh, And then Anna tells Henry to draw her a map. Anna, Saeed, and Charlie follow it. Henry muses about a possible ambush while eating dry cereal. Because <laughs> nobody gave the man any freaking milk. I don't think he ever got that milk. <laughs> well, maybe it's on the cargo drop that just dropped. Oh, oh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, too. <laughs> Some dry, hydrated milk. <laughs> Delicious. Oh, oh, Stephen, what, what's going on with this episode? All right, this is uh, episode 17 of season two, first aired March 29th of 2006, written by Stephen Williams, or directed by Stephen Williams, and written by Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelhoff. When the, ha- 
<laughs> when the, the big hatch, dogs. Oh, yeah. When the hatch suddenly takes on a life of its own, Locke is trapped alone in the bunker and is forced to enlist the help of an unlikely ally, the captive Henry Gale, to, free, to try to free him. Meanwhile, Jack faces off against Sawyer in a series of card games for supplies. Also, Ana Lucia, Saeed, and Charlie find out the truth about Henry in the jungle. By the way, before we talk about this episode, I have to know, when Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof are as the writers for any episode, you know there's going to be a ton of mystery and a ton of um, uh, questions that are going to come out of this episode. So, they, they, they're... they're as Corey said, they're the big dogs when it comes to writing episodes, for sure. Um, in this in this episode, Locke is shown inspecting a woman's house. This is actually Nadia, the woman that Saeed tortured and helped to escape in Iraq. Yeah, so, such a random little uh, cameo? Not a cameo. I, I, mean, I don't even know how to describe it. but It was weird when we saw her in this one. Yeah, it's it's I, nice, though. I do believe I read that Nadia is the only supporting character to appear in every season. Really? Um, yes, I, I believe that is the case. She, um, she is, you know, sm- just small part here, but she did appear in season two, and she appears in some way in every season. Hmm. Well, you know, somebody who's not is Katie Sagal, who plays Helen appears for the last time until the season six episode, The Substitute. So we won't see her for another four seasons. Oh, man. I'll be missing Peggy Bundy. She she does a great <laughs> job. I was going to bring this up later, but she well, gives here, let's a do it fantastic... Now. Yeah, yeah, she gives a fantastic performance in this episode. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I think... I guess what would be her last scene is very emotional. So just a lot of great... Uh, I mean, this is a fantastic ensemble cast, we know, but a lot of great supporting characters in this episode between her and uh, Michael Emerson, obviously, who becomes a regular, and then Anthony Cooper. Uh, I can't... I was trying to get his name. Do you remember what his name is? Um, the actor, but... I couldn't remember his name. You keep going. I'll, I'll, look, I'll look for it. But yeah, I just should know his name. Really good... Really good stuff from all three of them that that add to this episode a ton. So, yeah. Oh, I got it right here. Kevin Teague. Teague? Kevin Teague? Kevin Teague. Okay. Kevin Teague, yeah. So a classic Anthony Cooper appearance. And, uh, yeah, this is, you know, this is, this is uh, John Locke. This is, this is why people think John Locke, epi- Locke episodes are the best. So... This is a prime example. All right, so let's so let's talk about that then. As we talk about the episode, let's talk about the backstory because I, I want to dig into this flashback again. Um, Locke it's cool, had man. Locke, Locke had he had everything going for him. I mean, he had he had a great woman. He was about to propose to her. He had a good job. He was he was happy. He had moved on, and then he finds out his his dad has died. Quote unquote. And then it opens up all these wounds. He goes to the funeral. So, and, and then, as, and of course, we know Anthony Cooper ends up faking his death, costing, costing John, like, everything. I mean, he not only lost his father's love, but he lost Helen. So, but I, I, I want to bring a different kind of point of view to this, all right? I don't think it's John Locke's fault. 
All right. Now, now, now hear me out. Hear me <laughs> out. All right. I think this one is Helen's fault. And here's why. In the episode, Helen has said, do you know how long it's taking him to move past you, to, to get over you, and talks about how long it took him to finally move on with his life? Yet, who is the one who mentioned that his dad had died? Helen. All Helen could have done is just close the paper and not said anything. Instead of saying, <laughs> instead of saying, hey, what's your father's name? John, he died. She could have just kept going and realized if I tell him this, it could open up wounds. It could do something to him. All she had to do is keep on moving. But no, <laughs> she opened up the paper and said and asked about his father. She's the one who started this ball, the snowball downhill. Well, I mean, here, here's my question. Did Locke or when Anthony Cooper faked his death, did he expect Locke to find out or did Locke just happen to find out and then get brought into his plan? Was his plan all along for Locke to find out? Or oh, I believe he, so. A hundred percent. Well, I, how could he predict then that? You know, that she would just happen to see that obituary and tell him. Because if it wasn't her, it would have been him. Because he is so gullible and predictable that Anthony knows he can get him to do that. But what if, he, was, what if he never What if he never read the obituary? Like, he would have... It, I mean, not everybody reads the obituaries every morning. How, like, would he have had someone else contact him in a different way to let him know his father had died? Like... It, it it was just kind of a chance that she happened to see that obituary that day. Um, and what if she hadn't seen the obituary? Well, I, I think that I was really trying to think think hard about that because it is a tough question, and there's not really a good answer in my opinion. But here would be my you know maybe alternative theory. Here is it's in the there is an obituary. And they don't really tell us when the funeral is. It, they make it seem like it could be the next day, but you know, it could it could be a couple days later or whatever. Uh, maybe Anthony Cooper is just gonna stake out the gravesite, and because I mean, he looks like he's he's obviously it's during the funeral he's waiting there, but perhaps he's waiting. He would have waited longer in hope that uh, John would eventually show up and find out somehow. And I don't know, maybe maybe. He knows that Locke is the type of guy to read read the paper a lot, or well, it's well, a weird he, chance he's taken. Here's my kind of follow up question with that: There was theories back in the day that that possibly Helen could have been in on this. That Helen, in some 100%. way, hundred percent. And that's I, I don't think that anything that happens on the show ever really backed up that theory, but I do know that theory was out there when this was happening, that, that somehow Helen was involved in all this. And I was I, actually just thinking about that theory too. And I was going <laughs> to mention after everybody was talking about it was what was that exact theory that maybe Helen was in on it and the whole, I'm leaving you. And she really met Anthony at the, on the plane for 500 <laughs> with $500,000 and, Oh, because everybody cons lock. <laughs> poor, poor lock. I mean, would have been a guy, heck of Heck the of guy a long is con. just so gullible. <laughs> and I mean, we, we've had long cons before this. I mean, he, he, he could have been that gullible. Well, okay, let me say 
what I think what I think about Helen. I don't think this is her fault, and I don't no. think that she's you know working for Widmore or <laughs> the others or whoever the or Anthony Cooper or whoever. Uh, she sees the obituary. To her, he's dead. Anthony Cooper, he can't do any more harm. So lock going is actually good closure. So I, I actually defend her in that uh, in that situation. And my question is, is this whole thing, is this the island influencing John's destiny? Because there is something to John Locke's destiny, whether it is uh, tragic, which it eventually is, like his, his fate, but... We know that Jacob brings people to the island, but there's also this kind of aura of the island itself and its influence. And And John is, is everything's going well, and he's seemingly getting ready to really, really be settled down, get married. And this conflict drives him to, to a lot of suffering, but it also eventually drives him to the island. So... To me, this is there's there's hints to the island working its magic to getting Locke. Uh, and I think there, I I think you're right because when you look at when you look at the show, when you look at the main cast, everyone on the main cast is broken. You know, none of them are happy when they get there. You know, Jack has a broken relationship with his father. Uh, Sawyer has a broken relationship with. The man who killed his family, Claire's broken relationship with you know the baby and the and and the adoption, Charlie and his brother and the drugs, Locke and his dad. So I think when you look and Son and Jenner broken with each other, I think if the island did influence Locke or Jacob had some part of it, it's almost as if like we need to get Locke to the island, but in order to get Locke to the island, we have to break him and drive everything out that he loves or that's holding him to the point where he has nothing left. And then he's usable on the island to find destiny. So I I do agree with that. I do think it could be the island slash Jacob slash even the man in black. And we, you know, we see where he ends up after this and his first episode where he's actually has a relationship with someone who he calls Helen, you know, this, you know, phone escort that he, so he's still clinging to, you know, this, you know, this, this relationship with Helen in a, in a weird kind of way. Um, And, you know, we, we see the, the fallout of this is not real pretty. Yeah, and it, one last uh, note on, you know, if Helen were to choose to lie, I think that one of the messages of this episode, and we'll we'll talk about it multiple times, is is you is telling the truth because Locke, he he gets himself into this whole situation because he chooses to lie to Helen, and later on we're gonna have Jack uh, interacting with Kate, and he seems to be lying again about the um the hatch situation he makes up the whole thing about the shower right oh there's muddy water cracked pipes and all this stuff and so you when the best policy is just always to be truthful and that's really the downfall downfall of Locke's relationship is his choice to lie to helen you know about anthony cooper so 
I don't think that would have been the right choice. I mean, I, I still think, though, it could have been a fault on both. Like, I, I understand death can bring closure, but to some people, death can also bring open wounds because they never were able to get closure when the person was alive. So it could even, it could still wreck their psyche because they were never able to get that. So I do think Locke should never have lied to Helen. He should have been truthful, especially after she stood up for him to those two guys in their house. But I also think Helen should have thought, you know, this guy caused him so much pain. Maybe I don't need to say anything. Maybe he needs to find out on his own. Or I just don't say anything. So I do think it could have been a fault on both. But yeah, Locke should not have lied. Um, he he should have come out as truthful to the, in this in this situation. So well, obviously the lie is kind of the undoing here. But just in John Locke's defense, um, I mean, I, I feel like he he didn't feel like he could tell Helen the truth. You know, if he would have come to Helen here and said, you know, my father's still alive, and you know he's asked me to do this thing, and I'm going to do it. I mean. He, I think he would have ended up with the same result. You know, she, you know, she, she, it was important to her that he closed this part of his life and from the previous flashback we had. And, um, you know, I think the fact that it got opened up at all, I, I don't know that it was just the lie that kind of did him in. I, I just, I don't think Helen would have taken well to, even if he had been truthful. Yeah, I, I, I see that. Uh, it, it's just, it is tragic and sad because when Locke is at the funeral, there's a moment that, even though it's a small moment, we, it is, it's huge in the development of Locke. He's right there with Helen. They're the only people there. And what does he say to his, fa- his father, who he pres- the, to the casket, he, where he thinks his dead mm-hmm. father is? He says, I forgive you, which is a hard thing to say because... Um, especially for, I mean, people lose their parents early in life, especially for, you know, older generations and, and, um, you know, there's a propensity for previous generations to be hard and to never say, I love, you know, all these things. And, you know, I have relatives who have had that situation and it is hard to forgive somebody when you can't actually, um, have closure. So for Locke to do that, I mean, this is a guy who was in anger management, who's losing his mind going to out to his house every day outside of his gate into the point where he's he's there he seems happy in his job he's about to propose like this is the most complete and happy i think we see Locke, and unfortunately it's really quickly swept away so and i mean this is it's tv it's the fall is that much more impactful if you set up how great someone's life is going so you know that's part of it too yeah. Well, one thing I did enjoy here is the, you know, the fact that Locke did get to, you know, confront his dad in some way about this. And I really enjoyed the fact that he asked a question, which I mean, or didn't ask the question, made the statement that I've always wondered. It's like, what he, he asked his dad, he's like, you could have just asked me for the kidney. Like you didn't have to con me and steal my kidney. Like why you could have just, asked me asked. you know and i've always wondered as like why did he have to go through all you know all that and then you know refuse to talk to him after when he could have just you know 
been a halfway decent person and and just you know asked him as a son for that and i don't think it would have taken much time on his part to you know contribute to Locke to you know make him feel okay with the situation so i i was glad he got to ask that question of his dad even though he didn't get an answer um he certainly didn't get an apology from his dad in this episode but what do you guys think? Why did Locke actually end up helping him? That that was kind of my other question. It's like he didn't he said at the end he didn't want the money. He didn't do it for the money. And then Cooper asked him why he did it and he didn't really answer. What what I do you guys it, think? I think it was because he knew Anthony Cooper was gonna be out of his life for good. Like he knew he was gonna be leaving and that was it. He said, I don't want I don't care about the money. I want you gone so that I can have some closure so I, I can spend my life with Helen. And I think Helen was the reason for that. Huh. So um yeah, I, I think that's why he just he, he didn't care. I think he just I think he knew. So Well yeah, well to to comment on what uh, what you were asking about Anthony Cooper, I, I think his response would be similar to Sawyer when he says, uh, you know, you run, I con. Tiger don't change his stripes. So, I mean, that's just what this guy does. And Locke agreeing to help him, to me, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, th- the simplest answer, I think, is he wanted to try to connect, try one more time to connect with his father. It's just that instinct, that innate um desire to get approval even if the guy is a horrible horrible human being and it's sad to say that's um what's happening here but in the end helen says you need his love more than mine and i mean i don't understand it like how could you want this guy's approval over and and risk everything in your life but, uh, you know, it's, he's this whole thing is it drove him insane before he has all these anger issues and it, it's like a switch has been flipped and he's back in the thick of it. So hmm. any any merit to the fact that, uh, you know, Helen has some blame here just from the fact that. She's been following him around. I mean, this isn't the first time where she's kind of followed him. Um, obviously, might lack a little trust here in Lockett. I mean, the, any any thoughts there, you guys? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a little bit of a breach of privacy, but <laughs> I think that she follows him after the, uh, the gangsters come to kind of... <laughs> Uh, what, what what is it? Rub them down, or what, what's the what's the term there? You know, they they come shake, shake them down, shake them down. Yeah, that's the right. Sign. That makes sense. You come to shake them down. Way, excellent portrayal by the gangsters. Appreciate that. Great <laughs> oh yeah, they did they did good, and so she's got a bad feeling about that scene, and rightfully so. And Locke, you know, uh, bold faced or bald faced. <laughs> <laughs> lies to her and right to right to her face and then she's smart enough to know it she she calls him out and he lies again and uh so that, i think that's why she's following him and it's hard to blame her because she caught him pull, helping him pull a, an illegal con 
you know, worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, it's a pretty serious crime right there. And Locke doesn't seem to be afraid of committing <laughs> crimes as he used to work yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, at a, you know, or maybe, he, I'm not sure w- when in the timeline it fits, but he will eventually work at a marijuana farm. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on, Locke. I remember that episode. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that was pre here. Um, I, I do got to admire Locke on just the sheer variety of careers the guy has had. I mean, he's he's worked at a at a big box retailer. He's he's worked on a on a pot farm. He's owned his own home inspection business, and he's been a regional collection supervisor for a box company. I mean, the guy really has a lot of careers. Yeah, it's ironically he's a jack of all trades. <laughs> Uh, it's a shame. <laughs> he he must you know because of his disability. It must be why he can't be the uh, home inspector anymore. I'm guessing because <laughs> you, you never would leave that job to go be a box man. I mean, he really didn't have any need for the for the knee pads in his in his bag anymore after after his father pushed him out the window. No, really not. <laughs> oh, so uh, you know, if we're, since we're talking about the flashback, let's talk about Anthony Cooper. Yeah, I mean, there's some fun little setup here with the tinted car and everything, and then you get the reveal. But I think the more interesting scene is when they're at the bar together there, and the look on Locke's face, man, he's just. In just kind of furious and disbelief, and it's an uncomfortable conversation. As he, as you see a seasoned con man like work weaving his little lies and uh, tricking Locke into doing this for him when he really shouldn't do it, and it's you know, even though he's offering him two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, Locke is doing the work here. At the very least, Locke should, you know, ask for a bigger cut. But Locke doesn't care about the money, apparently. I I hope he went back in and got the money after his girlfriend, you know, after his girlfriend left him and his father left. I hope he at least went in and took the money. It'd be a heck of a tip. So (laughs) my question here is, is the key to, uh, you know, getting in John's head or conning John is, you just need to liquor them up a little bit because if you notice, (laughs) yeah, the, the, the constant here in every scene with Anthony Cooper, he always offers John a whiskey and he hands it to him. And then suddenly John's just eating out of his hand. So I don't know, maybe he's drugging him or it's just John. It doesn't, uh, we don't see Locke drink very much in the show at all. (laughs) He's got true serum in there. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think he's much of a, a drinker. So the whiskey really just, Anyways, Locke should stay away from whiskey is all I'm saying. <laughs> Scotch or bourbon or whatever they're drinking. That's funny. Oh, yeah, I um that was very that was a very awkward scene. That that was just I don't even I don't even know why Locke stayed there if he was so uncomfortable. I don't even know why he stayed there. He should have just left. Yeah, so it. I mean, I, I almost I'm ready to talk about the island a little bit because this is stuff is just so sad. It's heartbreaking. I feel <laughs> feel so bad. But uh, just a note. Of course, there's some cool uh, maybe 
themes or motifs that you, the final scene is like right next to the airport. You've got the sounds of the planes in the, you know, in the flashback I'm talking about. And that just, yeah, when, when Helen, when he opens the door and Helen is right there, it is just so heartbreaking. And it's like a, everybody knew what was about to happen. Yeah. And that's, you feel so bad. I mean, I get emotional. I mean, I was almost, I wasn't teary eyed, but I could feel the emotion welling up in me as Locke is panicking and goes to propose. And it's just, I mean, I hate to say it. It's almost pathetic. And his father just looks on at him and uh, you feel so bad. And you know, Locke is just ruined. Basically the only thing he cares about in his life. So, and then his dad just gets in the cab and leaves. I mean, doesn't even, you know. Well, I'm gonna leave on it. this yeah. one because <laughs> what's, what's like that? It's gonna be a rough one. <laughs> what, what's that SpongeBob? The SpongeBob meme where I'm gonna get out of here. <laughs> I'm head out. Yeah. I'm head, yeah. <laughs> that was that was rough. So, if you guys are good, I, I want to get into this Henry Gale action here Let's because. Do it. Uh, Locke and Helen is kind of depressing me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do but, it. Let's talk about Henry I mean, Gale. this is just watching this scene. Like, I haven't watched this episode for a very long time, and I I have always liked this episode. But I was in. I mean, I first got into Lost when I was in, when I was a teenager, and I love the emotional stakes of the show. But I mean, admittedly, when they're out and about on the island doing cooler things, it's a little more exciting. And I've always loved Locke, so this this episode was always a little bit uh, tough for me because I'm like, this is like the beginning of Locke's kind of like downfall or like his his negative arc for this season because he goes down a bad path after this episode. But rewatching this episode, man, I was just like blown away by everything, and uh, especially the scenes with Michael Emerson and Terry O'Quinn, and you see why they become the basically the best character pairing uh in the series for the rest of the show to the very end they're fantastic together so those two actors just have great chemistry and i think you finally see like this the hints of like the real ben linus like when he starts to like raise his voice and like get more emotional like it sounds more like Ben Linus than like the acting of Henry Gale. Hmm. Yeah, they they balance each other so well um, in their acting abilities that seeing them play off one another just like you can you can feel the oozing of Locke being manipulated and conned again by this guy, not Anthony Cooper, but by Henry Gale or by Ben that we know is coming. Like you can see him being being able to, even from the phrase, why do you let him talk to you like that? You know, right at the beginning where Locke just gets mad, you know, why do you let him talk to you like that? Locke throws him back in the armory and then it becomes to you know, he's being he's being manipulated when he lets Henry out. So yeah, I actually think in when when he says that line, I actually think Locke is kinda on to the fact that Henry is trying to manipulate him a little bit, and he's he's angry, and he throws him in there. He he gives a look like he he knows because you know Jack starts freaking out. This is you know right after the serial. This is interesting. They pick up like immediately right after the serial comment, 
and Jack is trying to throw him back in the, the armory, or he wants him to draw another map, and all this stuff is going down, which, I mean, this is actually a great Jack episode as well. I really enjoy, uh, I mean, Jack is not always the most likable in this episode, but he's very true to his character in the good and the bad. And and it's, from the beginning, it sets off these Locke and Jack on, like, opposite courses. Yeah. What do you think, Steven? Well, I, I like what you say there, and the more I'm thinking about this, I, I, I didn't really catch it when I first watched it, but I think it is kind of weird that after this moment, you know, once once he's trying to get Henry to draw him a map and, you know, that they basically say, you know, what's done is done. You know, there's nothing we can do about it now. I do think it's kind of Jack's behavior in the rest of the episode, while great, and I agree, one of Jack's better episodes, I don't know that that's what the character would have done in the situation. You know, he doesn't normally just, like, give up on a group of people. Like, so while I greatly enjoyed the poker, you know, all the poker stuff with Sawyer, it was great, great stuff. I think it is kind of weird that Jack kind of didn't insist, you know, the the Jack we know normally would try to go bounding after these people. Well, okay, so I get that, but I also see Locke's perspective on that. Look, they're already a day, day and a half ahead of us. There's no way we would be able to catch up if they're already there then they would have already been taken captive, and it makes no sense for him to go after him and be taken captive too, or if they're not even there because they were taken away. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, logically it totally makes sense, but Jack, that doesn't normally stop Jack. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I hadn't really caught that, you know, when watching it, that, you know, him going from this scene to then the rest of the episode where he's kind of laid back and, have you know having a little bit of fun you know just didn't seem like it seemed off Jack. right yeah yeah but again i liked both you know i liked both scenes or you know both storylines um but yeah i also thought it was really great how they just picked up right after the you know right after the serial comment because you know that's what we were all left with it was kind of good they picked up from there um yeah. and you know it's kind of a I don't know which way we want to go here. Uh, you know, it's I I didn't recall it taking so long to get like to the actual you know blast door map part of it. That's re- it was really the thing. Yeah, you know, there was so much before that of just them being locked. More of the episode was about lock not in peril, just trying to get Henry to help him just to get the door up. Where I, you know, I tended to just recall him being stuck under there longer. So it kind of it yeah. moved at a different pace than I remembered it moving, and it was it was good. Um, yeah, I think you, I think you remember this episode. And you're like, oh, he's just locked under the whole time. It's a bottle yeah. episode. Not much happens, but it's yeah. The pacing is a lot better than maybe our memory would uh, imply. I, I will say though, to counter on what Steven said as well. Uh, the moment the lock's leg gets crunched under that door, um, that jump makes me grimace every time I watch oh. it. <laughs> it. It just makes me cringe every time I watch that scene. I don't know why, but I, just, I mean, like, oh, 
They and let I mean, you. They let you I mean, see it. You 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 get to see those things go into the, your leg and he, his leg, and you can just feel it in your own leg. Right, like. and, I, and I mean, this is a coming from a guy who who sits here and watches, you know, watching Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> None of that bothers me, but yet when I see these guys get leg crunched by a huge blast storm, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's painful to think about it. <laughs> so it's yeah. uh it was something. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the other reason why Jack doesn't go after them is because he goes to talk to Hurley, and Hurley says, oh, yeah, well, Saeed and Charlie went with, with Anna, and I don't think he knew that at first. So it's like, hey, Saeed's with them. I, well, what am I going to do? I don't have any guns. I can't get a gun from Sawyer. There's really... And he kind of looks off at Sawyer after that as if, like, dang it, like, he's got the guns, and they're talking, and then right after that, uh, Claire comes up with Aaron, and is asking for some help about the baby, and then Libby randomly has this, uh, you know, sea urchin thing, so everybody's talking to the, the doctor, and I think, yeah, it is weird for Jack to make the logical decision, like, hey, I am a doctor, maybe I should stay here <laughs> and help out the people. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and it's it's um I, I like that scene too because Hurley man Hurley's just he's so funny he's like, I don't know man I'm just out of the loop he's at Hurley there is no loop and then Claire comes up and then as he well, Jack walks away he said salute man it's the loop I, I like this too this is like the this is like the another the mention, mention of it the first mention of the loop we'll, we have similar things mentioned at other times like. Art's kind of, he doesn't say loop, but at the first season, he's like, oh, yeah, Kate always gets the good tarp. And then, you you know, you guys all are, you know, in this circle or whatever. And then I think with uh, um, Nikki and Paulo, they talk about this later. Oh, you it's just like you guys Nikki make all the decisions. So it's funny when they acknowledge this thing, that there is definitely uh, a loop. There's a, a popular group of decision makers. <laughs> the, the, the popular kids. And then you have the red shirts who just stand yeah. around and not do anything. <laughs> By the way, red shirts. And I know we're going to talk about this here in a second. But the ultimate red shirt moment to me tonight <laughs> when I was watching this episode was when they're all watching Jack and Sawyer play poker and Kate's looking binoculars and everybody's standing there and you see these two random they just this one really blonde lady and then you see this guy walk up it just a random two people with the main <laughs> cast of, of like uh who else was where with them uh Hurley and I think oh there was some I think Bernard was there actually Okay, maybe Menard, but they just had these two random people just standing in line with Kate and all them. Just like, oh, I wonder what's going on, too. I'm part of this cool group. I'm in the loop. It's so funny to me. I, I got to say, did we know they had binoculars? Because I could think that binoculars would come in handy as they're trying to explore the island. You know, like, you don't necessarily have to climb, you know, climb to the top of this mountain. You can use the binoculars, get a better view. I feel like they would have used binoculars at some point if they had them. I want to say that Saeed uses binoculars in season one. Maybe. I just don't remember. With the uh, the fireworks? They probably found them in the hatch somewhere. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. It could have been in the hatch. He might have used them when he was looking for the other rockets to to set off. That might have been. But I I can't remember. Maybe. But we don't see him very often, (laughs) if 
if we've ever seen him before this. But yeah, I, I like this shot of Sawyer down there. I don't know why this came to my mind, but I just thought of uh, because Libby makes a comment like, oh, it'll cost me like I'll have to do 10 loads of laundry to get some ointment and some or whatever to so get some Neosporin. And I just thought Sawyer in his empire like that. He's got this. He's sitting there playing poker. He's got a, he's got Kate and Hurley surrounding him. He's got this. He's got all the guns. He's got all the medicine. He has everything. He's he's the kingpin right now, and that could be really the reason why Jack decides not to go after Anna and everybody. Because we'll see here. This is like a show a showdown between two alphas, and you know there's some interesting ways that they describe this. But uh, they have to show who's the bigger man, and they they go at it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was funny because Kate Kate even says she said <laughs> when when Sawyer's going after Hurley in the card game, Kate says, "Don't look at me. I'm just playing for fun." <laughs> but Hurley's <laughs> one playing for stakes. <laughs> yeah, and oh, honestly, I dude, go I, ahead. I, I'm a sucker for like card games in movies. I love Casino Royale, one of my, like, my favorite Bond movie. Uh, I I liked the aspects of the new of the Solo Han Solo movie when they play uh, that card game uh, Sabak or whatever. You, uh, like, I love those scenes. I just I always think it's a fun. Uh, it's there. It's always fun in in shows and movies, and we get some good uh, poker scenes here, especially with Sawyer. I mean, and you give Jack a chance to be, you know pretty cool guy right <laughs> I, I think this is definitely one of jack's highlights i mean he, he definitely he definitely got the upper hand on sawyer which you know doesn't always happen and i think his line at the end you know that if i you know when i when i want the guns i'll get the guns is you know it's kind of kind of a classic line um and, and he's right he's <laughs> he is right yeah I do. Th- I think it was fun that we had Dar- Dharma playing cards. I thought that was a nice touch. <laughs> do, do we think th- th- those would have had to come out of the hatch? Because you wouldn't think anybody in the plane would have had Dharma cards in their luggage. I mean, I was had to come out of the hatch probably. But. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, this uh, is uh, cards Radzinski played with, and uh, when he would lose. Uh... <laughs> Lose to uh, what's this Kelvin playing uh, war? <laughs> oh my! But, you know, I I think this kind of goes back to the golf. You know, the golf in the first season. That it's fun when our characters get to relax and have a little fun. You know, you get to see this. You know, the side of them that isn't you know chasing after another or. You know, any of the arguing over water, you know, we get to actually see him just kind of relax and have fun, even though, you know, it gets turned from fun into something a little more intense. As 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 Kate said, you know, do you, you guys you guys want me to get a ruler? That was a pretty, pretty classic <laughs> <Yeah>. Kate line. <laughs> oh, that that yeah. was so funny, and how and how everybody's line was. Well, what, what are Jack and Sawyer doing? Ah, uh, they're about to beat each other up. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just so funny because, and I, I really did enjoy them playing. As I enjoyed seeing Jack bluff, I enjoyed seeing Sawyer get beat. But really, Sawyer's not more aggravated at the fact that he lost. Sawyer's more aggravated at the fact that his ego got crushed by, <laughs> by Jack, who he didn't think played a thing of poker. But 
but bluffed his way to 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 a win. And that moment where Jack puts down a pair of nines, and Sawyer's like, "You bluffed, or you called on a pair of nines?" And Jack's just like, "Yeah, you know what do you got?" And Sawyer just immediately goes from, "Yeah, I got this," to, "Ah, oh, crap, he called it." <laughs> <laughs> like a pair of fives. I was like, "Man, Sawyer just it." Oh, I, I I loved the scene. I did. There were there was some relief. There was some comedic relief to it, and some um some some golden moments. Yeah, so. I, I I like when he the fact that he wins on a crappy hand because usually in all these poker scenes they're fun, but it's often like oh a pair of aces or like you know three aces, oh four of a kind, royal flush. It's like hey, why do they always have the best hands po- like? Po- possible in the game like in these scenes it's not that realistic so that was a a good win for jack he just uh you know took him out went all in and uh rest is history got all the the meds back so yeah this is one of the things that's great about this season that some of the later seasons don't have as much is you even though this is like a really intense character episode for Locke, like we get some Okay, some stuff with Kate, not much, but some good stuff with Jack and Sawyer, a little bit of uh, Harley, and then we get the the three uh, people that are looking for the balloon. So it's very well rounded, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, well, one last so, little question about ahead. the po- the poker scene: Do we think that this was all part of Jack's plan? Like. When Libby oh, yeah. came, when Libby came to him about the hand, do we think he decided then he was going to go win the medicine from Sawyer? At, oh, I, absolutely, hundred percent. So the no con, the con man got conned, pretty much. I don't, I, not necessarily, because you know, he's like, oh, maybe I'll play one or two hands. No, but he, he could have been think, been playing it up, I guess. No, I, I think he was conning Sawyer the whole time. I really do. I think I think he was because he was getting the bait set up with winning the papayas and the fruits, and then he said, "So you've got nothing else to play with. I mean, you, you've got nothing else to play for." And he and then Sawyer says, "Well, name it, Doc. What do you want?" So I think he was playing him up the whole time just to get that medicine because you had Aaron who had a fever, quote unquote. You had Libby who needed some Neosporin, so whatever the Seatron did wouldn't get infected. He realized, I don't have any medicine, but the going rate's 10 loads of laundry from one bottle of Neosporin. So she, <laughs> so it, it was almost like Jack said, all right, I've got to get the medicine from this guy because people need some stuff too. I think he played about the whole freaking time. That, that's kind of my read on it too. I was just wondering where you guys, how that came across to you. I well, will Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think Libby should have had a little bit of pull with Sawyer, though. I mean, she did help keep the guy alive and carry him across the island when he was about dead. You'd think you'd think she could use a little guilt trip and get some Neosporin out of the guy. But. No. <laughs> That's very true. Very true. So we're leaving out maybe the most important story reference in the entire show here. Um, it really is going to be the biggest unanswered question for at least um, another half a season. And that is uh, a reference, a 
Easter egg of, of pointing out possibly the source of Jack's tattoos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's a reference to Thailand. <laughs> Specifically, what is the name of this place? Uh, Untuk Phuket. Or something? Phuket. 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 It was so funny. He said, I got him in Phuket. Thailand, huh? Jack's all surprised. And so he says, just because I dropped that in school in ninth grade doesn't mean I don't know <laughs> world geography. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and is that, I'm pretty sure that is the place where. Uh, we're gonna get the most infamous <laughs> flashback of oh my goodness. Jack's tattoos. So uh, that mean, is where Jack apparently learns to play cards. <laughs> what what lost fan didn't say this entire season? We have to know what these tattoos are about. Give us an episode about how Jack got these tattoos. I mean, every lost fan wanted it. They gave it to us later on. It was a win win. Yeah, those are the biggest. <laughs> that's the biggest question that stands out in this episode. Not any of this stuff with the lockdown. <laughs> uh, so Sawyer also mentioned another popular place in this show uh, about Tallahassee. Um, so you may have been, you may have been to Thailand, but I've been to Tallahassee. So <laughs> Tal- we, we see you know Tallahassee gets brought up many times. Yeah, uh, Kate gets a plane. You know, gets a train ticket there and. You know, there may be an episode called The Man from Tallahassee at some point. Yeah. Uh, speaking of burning, I have a burning question. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that was um, segue. <laughs> what a segue. Uh, unless anybody has anything else to say there. No. The no. feedback that comes in, going back to Locke and Henry. So this whole lockdown scenario starts with, Locke is just la la la, you know. He's no, he's on his, uh, he's on the bike. Mm-hmm. Thank you for reminding me. It's uh, it's Mike's background on it. <laughs> Our video chat here is Locke <laughs> on the bike. Locke is on the exercise bike, and this feedback starts on the speaker. Then Locke goes and screws with the speaker, and presumably him screwing with the speaker, in my opinion, is what sets off the lockdown because later we are going to see Desmond and Kelvin do that on purpose. Uh, but what starts, wh- what happens here? Like, what is this uh, an a- unanswered question? What happens that begins this whole situation? No. I, th- oh, I can't remember. It, is okay, it, so- is it because the, um, the pallet drop is happening that they that's they, it they want to keep them in the in the hatch so they they do the lockdown when they do the pallet drops I think that's 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 what it is because they don't want them to know where the where the drops are coming from that's a great possible answer my other thought was maybe the others they know that Ben is locked in there and we know that there's some sort of communication that can be had with the computer with the swan station because walt or whoever pretending to be walt was communicating um were they trying to do something and that caused that that maybe they're deliberately trying to make use the speaker to screw with them and i don't know but uh because i thought lock caused the lockdown 
after he was messing with the the wiring there. I I think another important question that's kind of related is just how much Ben actually knew about what happens in this hatch. You know, we know we see later that they do observe this hatch from the pearl, but you know, he certainly while pretending to be Henry is acting surprised at all this, but it seems like he's actually legitimately surprised at some of it too. Like how much do you think the others slash Ben knows about how this hatch actually works? Because none of them are in this hatch other than, you know, I guess Rosinski started it off years ago. Um, what do you guys think? Okay. Here I'm reading, uh, some information here from Lostpedia. The lockdown was probably the original high-security sec- high resupply procedure for the Swan, and it could have worked uh, one of two ways. One, one man of the team stays at the controls behind the blast doors, so you'd be at the computer. The other man exits the Swan, gathers the supplies, and brings them in. This would ensure that if the doors of the Swan, uh, this would ensure that if there's an attack, that one man would at least survive. So if the hostiles uh, ambush uh, because of the drop that uh, the guy in there behind the blast doors is going to be alive at the very least. So that is, uh, you're right, that the lockdown has to do with the pallet drop. Yeah. And it says that the UV lights, because I was looking at that too, would have been used to biologically decontaminate the hatch during resupply because it was never meant to be open from the inside. That's why it says quarantine on the bottom of the hatch. So that makes sense. Okay, so that answers that question. And, you know, this. let's just talk about this. You know, Locke is so frustrated by not understanding what's happening. There's 47 minutes left on the timer. And, you know, he's he's got to get in there to, to uh, press the button. And... <laughs> He does some. He has some questionable strategies here, but I do love. He's first just so annoyed with Henry. I think he's still angry because I think he knows that Henry is trying to screw with him, and that's why you know he asks him like, "Who are you?" Like, what? He still doesn't believe him. But but Ben, it's hard to tell if Ben genuinely cares about john at some points in this episode because they do have a bond that happens pretty quickly here and in some in some points it is believable as if ben really does think like this guy is interesting like there's something to this guy he could be a potential um other at some point like he sees something in him you know you don't think that ben is looking to uh murder him at this point so and uh, that's when we get ben um you know really um seemingly to act like himself he actually he seems like he's letting his guard down and he seems like a real person here as they uh they uh dude it makes me so nervous every time they're trying to uh lift the wrench or the uh the crowbar up (laughs) and then the barbell up it's like if you drop that and your finger was still (laughs) below it you, you just like destroy all of your fingers it's just I'm I'm wondering how that I'm wondering how that barbell never never snapped under that weight. 
hey, they don't make that stuff like they used to, dude. <laughs> I mean, I was. Where did they get a crowbar? Like, why was there a crowbar in the hatch? It, well, it was in the toolbox there. What? You could. I mean, this many uses first, for a crowbar. All right. So here's another question. Then, once Locke got the toolbox under the door, would the next logical thing be? Oh, I'm gonna try to go under this when I, while an aluminum toolbox is holding up this poundage of a door. Or hey, why don't I go get some of these weights and put it under the door like Ben did when Locke's leg got jammed? It makes it would make sense to me to further um, support this door up by getting something a little thicker than an aluminum toolbox. What? Well, it seems like he just kind of makes the decision on real spur of the moment, like, "Hey, I'm just I'm going to slip under this thing while I've got a chance." I mean, he didn't he didn't think it through at all. He, you know, once he once they got that toolbox under there, he just went for it, and you know, just like Ron Burgundy and Anchorman, I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> made a huge tiny mistake. Uh, <laughs> To quote uh, Job Bluth, uh, I think this just illustrates the grip that the button has on Locke at this point, mm-hmm. and just how distorted his mind has become. You know, and part of it, I mean, we can relate. You know, being you know locked down or quarantined, you're living in the hatch. Like Locke is not himself. Uh, the questioning of whether this is real, whether it's not. Uh, whether he's doing the right thing. Is this his destiny? He thought this was his destiny, and his, his destiny is to screw around with his button every 108 minutes. It doesn't seem right. So, uh, you know, he has become kind of a slave to the, the button, and that's why the thing's propped up, and his immediate instinct is just, let me slide under here to go do this, where clearly, you know, if he just took a second to think about it, yeah, you put the weights under there. But the other great aspect of this episode always a good uh you know tool for drama is the race against the clock you know, he's like it was 47 minutes at the beginning but at this point i think it's like 20 minutes so you know they gotta he's gotta and that's making him think uh he's he's not being logical here well skipping ahead just a little with the race race to the clock what do we think about Ben falling, knocking himself out, and waking up just in the nick of time. Like, do we think he actually slipped and fell and got knocked out? Or do we think he was acting, you know? I think he actually slipped and fell. It's tough. I always thought he did slip and fall. But the way he gets up and so so quickly he's like yeah i know what i'm doing i remember and like he goes for it to me it shows that not henry gale but ben linus actually knows like i actually i need to go press this button i i really think i should do this but it's always confusing whether the others care about the button or not because if they really cared about it would they just let desmond down there you know leave him to his own devices so you know, he must know. He must have heard through the grapevine from Richard or something. Like, hey, you know, let's 
yeah, it's good to press this, but if we if you if we stop pressing it, it's not the end of the world. Literally, <laughs> it's not the end of the world, like some people say. Do y'all want to hear an absolutely crazy theory I was thinking about? Yeah. What yes. if what if Ben actually believed he was Henry Gale for some reason? Maybe he hit his head on the way in the forest but actually he lost his memory and thought he was Henry Gale. And then when he fell off the shelf and hit his head, his memory came back and he, and he remembered he was Ben <laughs> Just saying that's why he literally bought the fact that he was Henry Gale. And he kept saying it and saying it and saying it because he, he thought he was Henry Gale. I'm just saying. I, I thought I had heard every lost theory, but that's yeah. a new one. That's, That's a new, a new one. one. Come on. That's why I'm here. <laughs> maybe, it's maybe, the interesting. First thing he, maybe the first thing he sees is a muddied license plate or, or a muddy driver's license and that <laughs> balloon. And he thinks, oh, did I balloon here or something like that? I'm, I'm just, you know, just throwing it out there. Just uh, just like in Christmas Vacation, you 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 get kicked, you fall in a well, your eyes go cross, you get kicked by a mule, they go back straight again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who knew? Who knew? So, uh, anyways, there's there's there there's my out of there theory for um this this evening, gentlemen. That's that's a that's a good one. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. I I think I nearly blew my speaker out laughing at that. <laughs> 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 or my microphone, you know what I'm saying? Oh. Uh, All right. So, let's so let's talk about a couple more things then. Uh, obviously we get the map we'll find out more about we could talk a little bit about it for a second but then we know we're going to get more about it when we see the kelvin episode with desmond um but generally speaking jock jock lock sees this map and he tries to manipulate it so he can see this map like and redraw it and just tries his best to see this map again so um just almost as like a moment of respect like this is an awesome lost moment and I totally forgot, like, how, I mean, I obviously didn't forget about this, but I forgot about, like, how cool this is. Because you you know that people have so many theories about it, and, like, later, like, oh, the stupid map, like, who cares? Like, they're just toying with us. But, like, watching this again, like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever HD streaming version is on Hulu now, like, it's the best quality. It looks so cool. The lighting is amazing. And when you first see that, yeah, it's mind blowing. And there's, it's just like the cinematography. Uh, cinematography here is great. You get three awesome shots uh, showcasing. You get the low, like POV view of Locke, you know, of his what he's seen. Then you get this like sweeping wide view, which is really awesome. And then the coolest one, just like stunning, is this reflection of the map in Locke's eye, and. Uh, just a great moment and a little, you know, a uh, moment of silence for all of the people who spent hours upon hours upon hours pausing this, redrawing it, taking it, and like trying to apply this map onto so many other things. Like, <laughs> I don't know, is it time wasted or not? I'm not sure, but there's somebody out there that just, I'm sure, spent way too much time with this map. <laughs> I- I think that's one of the things that makes Lost so great, though, is just the the detail they put into that map 
and the the rabbit holes it sent people down in the aftermath yeah. you know like that's really what I, I always say season two is my favorite season just because of all the questions it opened up you know what whatever people think about the answers they got to those questions the the questions that season two opened up were just awesome and you know this this blast door map was certainly high up on that list yeah it was definitely one of the bigger moments uh of the season and i'm glad we do somewhat get an explanation of it uh next season i believe so or i think in the season uh two finale actually we get a little bit we get Desmond's uh, perspective. Desmond returns and sees season in the finale because he's you know drunk off land <laughs> in a boat. Oh, all right. Yeah, so see. go ahead. Uh, then Henry comes out. He you know he he says he pressed the button, which we know he did. Though that's going to be put into question in uh, some following episodes. And I actually think there's some real compassion from Henry here for Locke. He's, you know, trying to he's, he's trying to help him out. And yeah, we've mentioned it before, a great connection between these two. Um, but again, I think that we actually get some... This is not just all lies and smoke and mirrors from, from Ben, from Henry, whatever you want to say. Uh, there is some legitimate uh, compassion here, so... A good moment before it all comes crashing down uh, <laughs> la- later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know how much you want to talk about the the food drop and all that other stuff. I mean, we can talk about the food drop for a second. So, but we don't really have much to go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just they they saw something. Jack Jack was blowing off Kate. I don't. We don't know why he was blowing off Kate, but he blew off Kate, and then they both see this thing, you know, flashing and. They go there and it's Dharma Kraft mac and cheese, or and they realize it's a bunch of food. And then Sawyer, not Sawyer, but Saeed, Charlie, and Anna Lucia show back up, and they realize they've got some talking to do about Henry. And then, of course, as Henry is helping Locke, um, everybody shows up and says, "Get away from him!" And Saeed pins him and says, "Oh no, we we found." Everything you said, just like you said it. And then he said, but still, I just (laughs) didn't believe it. And so he said, I dug up the grave. And when I got down there, I found the body of a man, not a lady. And it had this driver's license on it. And you see Henry Gale. And then you see the ending shot. Holy crap, okay? If the last episode was really good where he's asked if anybody's got any milk... This one had it like you saw his face twitch and his <laughs> eyes almost change like, all right, here we go. You know, this is it's almost like this is the moment I was waiting for you guys to discover that I'm lying. Like it was it was almost as if he went from you could see his demeanor and personality change from I'm Henry Gale to all right, now who am I really? And and just play them. Like right there, his lips were pursed together. Like it, it was there in that moment. He didn't have to say a thing; just his reaction sh- showed everything. Yeah, yeah this that... is the f- this is the first moment of uh, Jack versus Ben as like the as a rivalry, you know, hero and villain. 
you know, Jack is looking, he's got this fury in his eyes and then the monologue and then he, he has that evil look and you can't really tell, but if you remember kind of the blocking of the scene, Ben is looking right at Jack. Good. Steven, you were going to say something there. No, I was just going to say that, I mean, Michael Emerson does such a great job here that this is the first time we truly see the character. You know, this is where we meet Ben. You know, we we've been dealing with Ben acting like Henry. But you, yeah, you, you can just see it in his face when he he becomes, you know, himself again. And we you know, we know all the the chaos that will that will come from him for the next many seasons so that this was a yeah. that this stretch of episodes just has so many great endings like season two was was good yeah for for all the great stuff that happens with lock and the flashback and the poker and the lockdown stuff i mean this this ending is amazing too and it's like kind of a whole separate uh thing too so my, my yeah. question is is this the best lost monologue all time? Uh, Saeed's monologue to me, it's got to be one of the m- most memorable for sure. I think it is. Yeah, I mean, there's so many good ones, you know that that's a. But he had such good emotion in this one, though. I mean, he. Uh, it, I mean, th- he's he's just he's just like yeah, we found it exactly how you said we found the balloon we found they even found the grave but i still didn't just something just didn't i just didn't believe you (laughs) yeah and it's it's a great saeed moment it's such a fulfillment of like all the other his whole arc in this uh season and i think there's some great jack speeches and some lock stuff and but i i think this has like such a great twist to it that it's got to be one of the best uh, monologues you get. So, and and the fact that it comes on the heels of, a, you know, really a time where we kind of started to to believe Henry Ben. You know, we just saw he had a chance to escape and he didn't. You know, we got this kind of, you know, Locke thought he left, he didn't. He stayed and helped. You know, you're really starting to you know, want to believe that he is who he says he is. And then we get hit with this. It, it was mm-hmm. so, so well done. Yes, absolutely. Oh yeah. All right. Are we all done with the uh, episode then? You already moved toward the end here. I think so. You know, this is uh, we, we had a lot to say, so we had to get it out there. There's, there's so many good scenes. <laughs> oh, it was a great scene. It sets yeah, up we, a lot of future scenes. We we could probably talk about that blast door map for another hour, but I mean, there's you know so much to that. I'm sure when we get to the to the Kelvin episode, <laughs> we're going to be able to dig a little bit more to that thing. Uh, so, all right, so um, we didn't have anybody die this episode, um, so we don't have any really an in memoriam except for Sawyer's ego. That, that that's probably the best <laughs> memoriam we've got right now. So. Uh, uh, Steven, give me uh, 15 or so thought seconds on uh, your overall thoughts on this episode. What do you think? I really like this episode. I I always love when the characters get a chance to have a little fun, do something relatable to to 
viewers who aren't stuck on an island like the poker game um thought that was really great obviously all the stuff with with ben and you know the the reveal at the end the blast door map i mean this was everything that made season two awesome really liked this episode good Corey, what about you yeah i just say this is a uh, classic lost episode uh emotional lock backstory uh utilizes uh most of the ensemble cast and has like a twist reveal at the end it's just everything you could ask for yeah i agree i think it was one of their best episodes um i really enjoyed it there's a lot of things that sets up kind of for the future of the show um and some answers we'll get and some answers we won't get because hey that that that's lost so it was good it was good all right, so how are we rating this thing this week? All right, so uh, Stephen had a suggestion, but uh, since my name is on this section, I, I decided to <laughs> take it my right take over. Stephen, why do you uh, let him talk to you like that? Because <laughs> uh, I really wanted to do it. Uh, we're we're going to rate this on a 23 rating system. So between 1 and 23 psychedelic island maps, because that's what I thought of this map. <laughs> so, uh, Stephen, uh, what, what do you have here? I'm going to give this one 22 out of 23 psychedelic island maps. Great episode. Or, or, or rulers. Okay, Mike, you don't even have anything written down here. So, uh, what, what do you have? I'm sure. It's... I'm going to give this one 23 out of 23 psychedelic maps. One of the few episodes that I think is. is pretty much worthy of near perfection just from what it sets up in the episode to what it it if it's not just because of the story the character um the characters in the episode from their dialogue to their to their facial expression just absolutely just this is acting this is this is this is great storytelling right here so 23 out of 23 psychedelic island maps yeah, and uh, I'm right there too. I when I watched this, or when I went into watching this, I did not expect to be giving out a perfect score. I knew it would be in the 20s, but uh, yeah, I'm going 23 out of 23 psychedelic island maps. I was yeah, there's just it was great, and uh, we don't we give some good ratings, but I would say there's only been you know maybe three, two or three perfect scores given out so far. So it's definitely. Uh, yeah, a big deal. I, I gotta say, I didn't realize I was gonna be the low man on this episode at, <laughs> at twenty two out of twenty three. I really, I really feel like I, you know, like I was kind of low on this thing. But well, it was that a good, so critical. It was a good bluff on our part. We, we called your twenty two. <laughs> we did wait till like a second to put our ratings. <laughs> Uh, all right let's let's finish this thing up with some ending discussion um we got our unanswered questions segment um some unanswered questions from this episode how is the supply drop accomplished without anyone noticing it um what what was the transmission trying to say before the countdown and who buried the real henry gale those are good questions that we will never get an answer to in this show. So if you're <laughs> yes. thinking we're getting an answer, 
not happening. It seems weird because this doesn't seem like an other burial, like it, like yeah. what the others would do. Seems like maybe, they just would put someone in the dirt if they f- found him and no grave. Maybe Henry Gale's wife actually was with him on the balloon. He died. She buried him, and she's still living somewhere on the island. Yeah, maybe she became another. <laughs> That's true. It works out well. It works out. We we will never know. Yeah, <laughs> those are, those, those, were, those were good questions. Good. Ones. All, right. All right, Sawyer's name dictionary. Um, we got Amarillo Slim for Jack. Um, total freckle count is eleven. I don't think we had no no freckles this episode. Um, and in pop culture connections, we'll see that Aunt. That uh, Amarillo Slim was a professional gambler, famous for his poker skills and prop bets. Um, we have compared to what? This song by Les McCann and Eddie Harris is not the version from the popular Swiss movement, contrary to popular belief, but the single version recorded in 1969. In this episode, the song is playing on the Swan record player while Locke exercises. We have I'll Share My World With You. This song by George Jones is heard playing in Locke and Helen's house. Mm. Um, Sawyer called Hurley Mongo after a strong, dumb character from the 1974 movie Blazing Saddles. Oh, I didn't. uh, I I missed some, didn't I? Look at that. I missed a couple of names. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we we we, that should have been in Sawyer's name dictionary. Um, also, he also, here's another one called Jack cool hand after, uh, the main character in cool hand, Luke, the 1967 movie, uh, cool hand, Luke played by Paul Newman. Hmm. And, um, we also learn, um, on the map notes that Locke saw on the blast door that the monster is called Cerberus. There's a Cerberus gate. Um, I don't know that that's what the monster is called, but that's who whoever was writing the map called him. Um, in Greek mythology, Cerberus was the three-headed watchdog who guarded the entrance to the lower world, Hades. Hmm. Which, uh, based on what they thought of the monster, um, that makes sense. Yeah. Good to me. All right, so our next episode, everybody, is uh, we're, we're going to meet Dave. We're gonna we're gonna meet Dave and we're gonna talk with Dave for a little bit, and uh, and come back next time because you'll find out who Dave is and if Dave is really worth it. <laughs> so it's a very Hurley centric episode. So we we it's been a long time since we've had a Hurley centric. I think the last time we had a Hurley one was everybody, everybody either loves Hugo, lo- loves or hates Hugo. I get everybody confused. hates Hugo. That was like the beginning of chapter of season two. Like yeah episodes ago that was like right when he uh he was made responsible for the food that that was what it was episode two or three episode three maybe of the season yeah it was really early on so we are really moved along since we've had a hurley episode this is this is going to be a it's a memorable episode and i like this episode i think this is this is an episode that not everybody likes so we'll see yeah it's got some conflict to it for some people, for sure. 
So, uh, but hey, look. Uh, in closing, you guys can follow us on Twitter uh, at RetroZapped, um, at Lost Rewatch Pod, um, on Instagram at Previously on Lost Podcast, Facebook Facebook.com slash Previously on Lost. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the DC Mike. Um, I'm probably going to be pretty uh, Cobra Kai heavy by the time you all hear this podcast. <laughs> so there may not be a lot of lost content, but there's probably a lot of Cobra Kai stuff. Um, you can find Steven. Uh, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Lucky13Steve. All right. And Corey, how can we find you on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, look me up at Original Mav. Original Mav, all right. And you can join us again. I mentioned earlier on the RetroZap Discord, so check out RetroZap for everything that you may need. Anything else, guys? I think uh, that's it for me. All right. Well, as the blast doors close, we uh, encourage you to keep your feet out of the way and uh, don't use aluminum toolboxes and be safe. And until next time, we will catch you around here on Previously on Lost. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one.